Welcome to Coffee and Conversation, a podcast that's all in the name. Good coffee with great conversation. Here's your host, Larry Vincent. All right, well, welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast. I am your host, Larry Vincent, and so glad that you all could join us today. This this entire season, we've been talking about uh, the church's reaction to certain to certain topics and how and how we can learn as Christians and non Christians, really, uh, to uh, how we can learn how to uh, react to these these tough, tough topics, and today is no different. Uh, I have with me today somebody who's turning into a very close friend of mine. Uh, he is uh, from Trinity... Life Ministries. Life Ministries. I always want to call it something else. I'm Trinity, Trinity Life, Life Ministries. Ministry. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome uh, Brandon Ertle. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much. Oh, you're welcome. And I just learned how to pronounce his last name, so that was fun for me. Yeah. It's kind of like if you're if if the if you're listening to the for our listeners uh, to the podcast, if you've ever seen Master of Disguise with Dana Carvey, uh, it is that you know that part where he goes turtle turtle turtle. That's turtle, just take out the turtle. tea, you know. So and you don't like tea, right? No, I like coffee. Yeah, you like coffee, yeah. right? Yeah. So here uh, the the running joke in the podcast is I've never had a guest who's liked coffee. Uh, because everyone either brings tea, water, really? or or somebody brought a, a, a pink raspberry drink. Uh, you know, the other That's day. That's unacceptable. I, I know, right? <laughs> and, and, and like when I when I when I told you I, was, I had a French press, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm a big French press guy." I felt a connection yep. uh, in our spirits, so I'm really happy. Yeah. Uh, so so. Ertle without the T. That's right. Because you know you don't People like. People can tea. say my name right until they see it spelled. Right. And then it throws them off. Well, because it has an O yeah. there, man. I mean, like, when is an O ever silent? I, it's German, so. <laughs> <laughs> the Germans. <Yeah. laughs> That's always the Germans. Yeah. Oh, uh, we're going to get letters. Uh, <laughs> all emails can be sent to Tim at cornerstonerock.org. He's our senior minister. Uh, he'll be glad to respond to, yeah, <laughs> to, right. to those. All right. Well, uh, before we get into uh, uh, Brandon, your story and 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 what we're talking about today, um, we have a uh, tradition here on the podcast called the first sip. Uh, and so uh, we are both drinking um, uh, Brick House coffee. I, I, I forget which uh, brand this is specifically of. Uh, of it, but it is a dark roast, um, which I prefer in a French press. So, first sip, my friend. That is always good, man. Delicious. That is always good. Uh, and it, and and one podcast listener will appreciate this. It tastes better in a ceramic mug. <laughs> All right. Well, I wouldn't know because this is not ceramic. That's so. not you have you have one. You have to get one for me too. Uh, I'll have to work my angles. I'll have to work my angles. Yeah. All right, well, Brandon, uh, today we're talking about, uh, obviously, as you know, but today we're talking about uh, addiction and the church, something that's near and dear to my heart as uh, not only have I wrestled with that in the past, um, but I have plenty of family members and friends um, who have also struggled with that in the past, um, and, and, and you have as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah. before we get into what you do at Trinity and what Trinity you know, exists to do, generally speaking, uh, I want to hear your story um, about uh, how you came to Christ and your battle with addiction. Sure. Well, um, 
we will keep it fairly brief because there's a lot there, but... Um, like, I, like I, to, I, I know my story could take three hours, yeah. right? So I'm sure yours would like three days worth of a yeah. seminar, right? Yeah, <laughs> like when I tell my story, um, some of the best advice I've been given is how would God tell your story to Ooh, somebody? I like and, that. And so what what that helps to remove myself from it yeah. and get a different perspective on it. And so I try to look back and include those things that I think were God along the way and I can look back and say yeah he was there and he was guiding me and he was protecting me or yeah. whatever that might be. One so. of the things we always teach at uh, at church here uh, is that there are there are three com- uh, components, proponents, whatever to uh, good testimony. Who was I before Christ? Mm-hmm. Uh, how did I come to Christ? Yeah. Who am I now because of Christ? So right. it becomes Christocentric. Yes. Right? Um, and, and I repeat that only because, you know, that's one thing we're trying to get our podcast listeners to understand as well, that when you share your testimony, you got to keep it centered on Christ. Yeah, it is. It's right. got to be. And I fail there a lot, but we all uh, my story is, it's all about, hopefully, I can communicate that it's all about Jesus and and he gets all the glory for it because, you know, sometimes uh, we like to steal the glory or try to. Sure. It's all him. It is. And, it is. So tell me about how Christ yeah. how Christ changed you. Yeah, so I grew up. I'm from uh, the east side of Indianapolis. East and, side? Uh, no, I'm yeah. sorry. I should not have done that. <laughs> Edit that out. No. Yeah. Uh, I have two older brothers. Okay. Um, my oldest is five years older than I, and then my um, middle brother is two and a half years older than me. Okay. So uh, 25th and Post is where uh, I grew up, and my parents were um, were great parents, and uh, I grew up going to church. They had me in church on Sunday morning and Wednesday evening and involved in the youth group. My parents were both youth group leaders, and so I was really involved in the church, um, but I just had a very... A rebellious heart and I was good at putting on a mask mm-hmm. and so I could speak Christianese at church and then cuss like a sailor when I was with other people you wow know? and it just didn't I just thought that was how it was so uh, I was introduced to drugs at nine years old uh, it was the first time I smoked marijuana wow at nine at nine years old by who my brothers okay unfortunately okay um and you know they were so if i was nine that means my oldest brother was 14 and so i can't i don't blame him either because he was young and he got exposed to it and right um, right so it was my choice to do that but sure nine sure. years old I, I don't i didn't know what i was doing that's a transformational age yeah to be impacted by something so yeah. transformational i guess you could say <laughs> so that's when that started that's when yeah. i was exposed to it and um, I didn't just, you know, turn into a pothead right away. It wasn't like I was smoking every day after that point. It, it was gradual, um, sure. just like anybody else. But, um, you know, started drinking in middle school. Uh, we, we moved out of Indianapolis and uh, to coming into a new school. I think that really uh, kind of um, sped up the process of me turning into drugs and alcohol because... I wanted to be included, you know, mm-hmm. I wanted to be accepted. And right. That was a big deal for me. I just, I wanted to be, um, wanted to be accepted and I was willing to do whatever to, to be part of the cool crowd or, or to have, um, 
friends, you know. So what what um what what did your parents notice during this time and and and, and how did they try to redirect you? I couldn't tell you exactly when they noticed. Uh, I can remember a time when they caught uh, me and my brothers. I would say my oldest was probably 16 or 17, so I was maybe 12 or 13. And they found um, some paraphernalia or something. Yeah. And, and okay. they, you know, confronted us about it. And mm-hmm. I think um, that was the first time. And I don't think that they did anything really uh, drastic other than maybe grounding us or whatever. Uh, But I do remember a time, and I'm sorry because my memory is just bad through those years, but I do remember a time when my parents got us to Fairbanks, um, which is a a rehab in Indianapolis. Okay. And I was so young that they didn't really have anything for me. Right. Um, They allowed me to sit in on a couple of, like, meetings but there was nothing really for me I think I was I think maybe I was 14 okay or somewhere around or 13 yeah anyways um, so that was that they turned to the hospital and the medical field for help on yeah that, um, because yeah. they didn't know anything different right and uh, so that was my first exposure to any type of rehab or, or drug counseling or anything okay uh, and uh, into high school, I started taking pills. I was really involved in athletics. Um, I started taking pills and uh, cocaine. And then when I graduated, uh, I, th- I tried to go to college. And my identity was really wrapped up in my performance as an athlete. Okay. And so when I quit sports... Um, I didn't know who I was. Right. And it really just escalated the turning to drugs, numbing some of those wounds and pains of high school and um, and now not knowing who I was. Why'd you quit sports? Because uh, I was a swimmer and mm. I played baseball. Okay. And I could have swam at the college level, but it I knew how much work it took. Yeah. And I just wasn't, it was going to get in the way of other stuff. I mean, I really would rather party than I Sure, okay. At that point in time. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so you, you, you turn harder into the drugs yeah. to kind of mask everything. Yep. 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 And so uh, after uh, I did go to IUPUI for a year, I failed. Uh, but that's when I started doing crack. Okay. And um, that really destroyed my life. Very quickly. Yeah. I graduated high school at 165 pounds, and uh, the second time going into rehab a year after high school, or yeah, a year after high school, I checked in at 117 pounds. Oh, wow. And so it, it really, I mean, I was skin and bones. I have no idea how close I was to death. But Wow, wow. But uh, it was bad. Yeah. And I was stealing everything I could. I had mm-hmm. no money. I um, even went as far as to steal my parents' truck to give it away for drugs. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah. So I had been in jail uh, once or twice by that time as well. Anyways, uh, I want to speed this up. I went to a rehab and got clean, got sober, 
but I hadn't changed. I still wanted drugs. I was mm-hmm. clean and sober, but my heart hadn't changed at yeah. all. Right. And so I turned to other things. I went to heroin at that point. I went from uppers to downers thinking, oh, wow. well, that'd be okay. So I got into heroin. Okay. And, uh, and that eventually, uh, with a couple more trips to jail and um, seeing people overdose and some mm-hmm. really scary things happen, yeah. it just brought me to the end. I just don't want this anymore. Okay. And I had... Um, I was living on my own because my parents had kicked me out, basically. They said, we're done helping you in any way, um, which is one of the best things they did for me. Yeah. I needed that. Yeah, yeah. Um, very much. Yeah. And that's hard for a parent to do. I can't even imagine. Uh, I, mean, yeah. I have two kids of my own now, and I just, I think, man. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah, no, I I can only but imagine. it was the best thing. Yes, yeah. So I'm glad they did it. Me too. Yeah. Um, when I came to the end of my rope uh the end of myself when i came to myself like the prodigal son um i went to my parents and they weren't home i walked miles to get there Mm -hmm. they weren't home so i just um fell asleep on their porch swing i remember that and they came home and found me there oh wow and so they i'm sure they were really scared what was going on exactly well my dad had done some research and found trinity online okay so um, at this point, I'd gone through four other rehabs, mm-hmm. so Trinity was my fifth. Okay. And uh, and when I got to Trinity, they accepted me, obviously. And How got, long ago was this? This was in 2011. Okay. Um, November of 2011. All right. And they accepted me. And uh, I remember being there about a month or so and being exposed to the Word of God and... Uh, and hearing it differently, seeing it differently. Yeah. Because I'd been, you know, in church for so long. Right. That I knew the stories. I knew about God, but I didn't know God. Yeah. And I remember laying in bed there and just surrendering. Just a simple prayer. It was probably the first heartfelt prayer ever. Of just saying, God, I, I'm done with this. I don't want it anymore. I'm, I'm ready to do things your way. And so help me, and uh, I want to follow you, type of thing. Yeah. And it was uh, it was that time that I, you know, nothing spectacular happened at that moment. It wasn't right. like I felt anything, or, but I do. Looking back, I can see that uh, God really planted a desire for Him. Yeah. And and for His Word. Yeah. At that time. Yeah. And so I started reading the Bible, and I was just devouring it. I could. I couldn't get enough. I, I just kept I, reading yeah. and reading, and God was opening my eyes and revealing things to me. And um, what I began to understand was that I could, He was speaking to me. You know, He gave me His Holy Spirit, and He was convicting me of things. And I began to understand what Trinity provided for me was an opportunity to to focus completely on my relationship with Jesus and to explore that. Without any other distractions, without right. the distractions of work and um, bills and all that stuff. Yeah, right. And so I could just really focus on Christ. And I began to like hear His voice as He spoke to me and to guide me. And um, so it was an exciting time. Yeah. And it was back then the program was only 16 weeks. So I graduated and I really, um, really felt a calling to be 
to help other guys who are stuck in addiction. Yeah. And he gave me the opportunity, God gave me the opportunity to stay at Trinity as a house steward. Uh, so I worked during the day and then I'd come back and, and kind of just minister to the guys or disciple them. That's cool. And yeah. uh, just spend time with them, do life together. And uh, eventually God opened the door for me to be a life coach. I got some, some training, some equipping and biblical counseling. And um, he gave me the opportunity to be on staff there. And so that was in December of 2012, I think. So I've been working there ever since. And uh, God has really helped us as a ministry to focus in on discipleship and and prayer. Yeah. And uh, so over this few years, I've uh, really, really focused on relationship with people. Yeah. Relationship with God, but relationship with people, doing life together, side by side, discipleship as we see in Scripture. And uh, so... A quick funny story. Um, when you're at Trinity, they give you a mentor, a guy who's from the community who's willing to come and disciple you. And my mentor was Caleb Hurt. And uh, if you ever hear this, Caleb, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I he invited me to family stuff, and I met his niece there. And uh, we all know where this is going, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a time for about a month, I remember, where I prayed that God would get her out of my mind and get her. Yeah. Because I, I thought she was a distraction to me because I was just really wanting to focus on God. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like no relationships. Girls have been a problem for me in the you past. You were dating because Jesus. Because of my heart. Yeah, yeah. I was just wanting to really fall in love with him. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but. So he didn't answer that prayer, thankfully. (laughs) Well, he did answer it, but he didn't. Just not the way you were thinking at the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, she is now my wife. So the the funny thing is, is I guess the joke is, is that she was my graduation gift. Your graduation gift from my mentor. (laughs) I was so nervous to talk to him when I was, you know, when I decided to actually pursue her. Yeah. I had to talk with him first. Yeah. You know, just Well, yeah, because of the conflict of yeah, interest. I just you're, wanted to... And uh, I remember being so nervous and just saying, man, I, I'm interested in Jessica, but I will not go any further if you um, don't bless that decision. Yeah. And he said, you'd be an idiot not to. <laughs> <laughs> word for word. That, and so I was just really surprised about that response. Oh, that's and, funny. Uh, that was my confirmation yeah. from the Lord and... And we're married now. We have two kids. And how long have you been married? Uh, we December will be six years. Six years in December. It's always nice when a guy can answer that really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So you're welcome, Jessica. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, so that's cool, man. That that's cool. So so you are now um, uh, helping other guys uh, you know, at Trinity. Uh, and what is your specific title over there? Um, house director. House director. Okay, so you're the guy in charge of the entire thing. Probably just because I've been there the longest, but yeah. <laughs> Seniority only. Yeah, I guess. Right? 
Yeah, it's like, look, he's been here. He knows. Just, yeah. just, just give it to him. It's one of those things. God qualifies the unqualified, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, I have, I have heard um, on different ends. It depends on, I guess, it depends on who you are. So, which one are you? That either you are always um, an addict, which means that you always have that temptation to go back. There's always that. You know, that not a desire, but mm-hmm. you, you you just, it's always in the back of your head and you're always kind of like keeping it at bay. Mm-hmm. Or um, you don't even associate that with that anymore and that is not, mm-hmm. you, that's completely gone from your from mm-hmm. your head. Wh- wh- where are you uh, in right now? Yeah, so what scripture says, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, is that I'm a new creation. That's right. If I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. So the old is gone, the new has come. Uh, and I believe that. So what happened when I was born again, mm-hmm. my born again experience with, with Christ was that he gave me a new heart. Yeah. He took that old heart, it's dead, it's gone, yeah. gave me a new heart. And that new heart desires to, to love God and to love people. Yeah. And the old heart was love me. Yeah. Above all other things. Yeah. And so um, I believe that I was an addict. Yeah. But now that I am in Christ, I mm-hmm. am not an addict. Yeah. I'm not recovering. Mm-hmm. I'm set free, is what the scripture says. Um, I'm transformed. Yeah. By the renewal of my mind in Romans yep. uh, 12 2. So I am a new creation. Yeah. So. And that's what you, is that what you teach the other guys over there at Trinity? Yeah. That they're not defined by? That's exactly right. So here's one of the, man, the frustrating things, I guess, is when you get labeled an addict Mm -hmm. or you get labeled a criminal or a felon or a thief or something, that becomes your identity. Yeah. Literally. And so when guys come into the program, myself included, that was my identity. You know, I'd been to so many meetings where you have to introduce yourself. Yeah. Hi, my name's Brandon, and I'm an addict. Yeah. I mean, literally, that's what you have to say. Um, so that was my identity. But diving into Scripture, you find that if you're in Christ, you got a new identity. Well, yeah, it's not like we call Moses a murderer. Yeah. Uh, Abraham a liar. That's exactly. Uh, right. David a uh, an adulterer. Although that one yeah. sticks with adulterer him. and murderer. Yeah, and murderer. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, those things don't stick. We don't think of them. That's not their legacy, That's right? right? Yeah. Uh, Christ creates a new legacy within us. Amen. You know. Uh, but it's not like we forget about that past either, right? We, yeah. we, we use that, as the scripture says, all things work to good for those who love Jesus Christ and are called according to his purpose, right? right? Um, so you are now taking your uh, past mm-hmm. and utilizing it for ministry. You're yeah. leveraging it. God, well, God is using it. He's using yeah. you for it, right? Absolutely. Um, so that you can, you can help others in the same in the same situation. Yeah, and that's, you know, Revelation says we'll overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So yes. God's given us that testimony to use for His glory. Yeah, yeah, man, I, I, I love your story. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, because you said you grew up in church. Yeah. Um, when you were going through the, the worst of your addiction, Yeah. what was the church's response? Uh, did you have an interaction with the church? During that time? Well, no. Uh, well, I take that back. There was a couple times where my parents 
set up a time for me to meet with a pastor. Okay. And I just didn't follow through with it. I, sh- I think I showed up once and just didn't follow through. Yeah. Uh, but in talking with my parents, um, what they have told me is unfortunately the church community kind of shunned them as parents because I, my brothers also struggled. Yeah. Um, with drug use and addiction and stuff. So they were the parents of three boys mm-hmm. that were addicts. And All three of them were? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... So they were kind of shunned, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, that's, that's horrible. They were looked at like they did something wrong. Right. Right. And it's their fault. Yeah. And what would you say to that? What's your response to that? Uh, that is a sad story. Yeah. That's not true. No, it's not your parents' fault. I mean, you know, I mean, it in was, some, it was some, my choice. Yeah, they in did some cases best. it might be like, but your parents were trying to do the right thing. Absolutely. You yeah. know, I mean, we certainly know stories of of parents who were addicts who passed it on to their children some way somehow. Well, I'll tell you, um, I was talking with a guy yesterday at at the ministry, and he he was born addicted to drugs. Yeah, his you know his mom used while he was uh, in the womb, and so he was born addicted to drugs. And right parents um encouraged that growing up they yeah. were giving him alcohol while he was still in diapers and blowing him shotguns uh you know as a kid and yeah so, he was programmed for it yeah right so that was not the case that was not me. the case for your parents not even close not even close right they never even i don't remember a time i ever even saw them drink alcohol growing yeah, and, up. and and this is the thing that so many people have to remember you know that it's not always the parents' fault. At a certain point in our walk, as individuals, we have to take responsibility Absolutely. for our actions. Yeah. I mean, and, and this this is even true on the on the faith side. Uh, you know, the the idea that uh, I, if you grew up in the church, there is a moment in every Christian's life where that faith becomes their own. Mm-hmm. They have to walk out of their parents' shadow mm-hmm. and make the decision to to um, to do this uh, by themselves. So, you know, stepping out of your parents' shadow is, I mean, it's, uh, you have to make that choice yourself, right? You have to make that, that individual choice. And that's the same true of all of our sin. You know, at a certain point, we can't blame our parents. Mm-hmm. And I know I did that, uh, you know, growing up. Not that my, my, my uh, parents had their own struggles, my, my mom and my, my dad, uh, not my stepdad, but my, my biological father, both had addiction issues. Um, but that wasn't, you know, you know, it, it, I blame my parents for the dysfunction and, and, and the reasons why I had to cover up my pain. And I took no responsibility for that until yeah. well after I had stopped, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and, and that's, that's, that's a hard thing to do. And yet, um, you know, if you're a parent listening to this right now of a, of a child with an addiction, um, you know, and, and you know, you tried everything you could to raise that person right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have to release that guilt. Give it to God. Yeah. Let God heal you, um, and just continue to pray for your child. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Prayer's got to be number one, anyways. Well, exactly. I think unfortunately, sometimes we we try to solve it ourselves first, and then it's like, well, uh, I guess I can pray. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Because especially if you're a self fixer. Yeah. If you're a self fixer. I mean, I still do that today. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, we if you're self talking about that, weren't we? Well, exactly. If you're a self fixer, you're not going to. Your first uh, instinct is not to go to somebody else. Yeah. But to try to fix it yourself. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I, I want to. So let's talk. Let's ask you about how this. I know this. You know, your parents said they kind of got shunned. What did that do to their faith? Have they talked about that? Are well, you comfortable talking about that? Because that's their experience. Yeah, I no, that. I, um, my dad, so my dad is now, actually both of my parents are on the board at Trinity. Oh, are they? So they've gotten involved themselves just because they've seen um, the transformation in my life. Right, and yeah. And other guys' lives, and, uh, and so now they're involved. But what's happened in them, they've talked about this, is it really caused through those trials... Uh, and I can't even begin to have an understanding of all that we put them through. Yeah. But through those trials, it really caused them to um, dive deeper into their relationship with God. Praise God, man. And even though the church that they were attending, um, they felt judgment and kind of shunned from all of that, um, they found people that yeah. loved them and yeah. that would help to disciple them and help them through this Christian people that love Jesus and uh, that's where they really grew okay was in those relationships so so your parents found a way to navigate that with Christ to deepen their relationship with Christ so they did what James tells us draws closer to God yeah. and he'll draw closer to you yeah. right so and so, I know that it caused problems in their marriage too yeah. because my dad wanted to handle things a certain way. Yeah. My mom wanted to handle it a different way. One wanted to be, uh, you know, like he needs yeah. to do this on his own. Yeah. The other one wanted to hug and embrace, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that caused, you know, a, a riff in their marriage. That had to be hard. Yeah. That had to be hard. Um, and for you though, the church was pretty non-existent outside of your parents. I never even thought to turn to the church. To be yeah. honest, I mean, it just wasn't on my mind. I, yeah. So how did the, how did your parents share faith with you during that time, or did they? They they did when they had opportunity. I think. Yeah. I don't remember specific times, but. Uh, and you just did you just ignore it like whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was going nowhere. Okay, so you get to Trinity then. You yeah. get you get that hunger uh, for for God's word. Yeah, you you're now in Christ, a new creation, right? Yeah. Your relationship with Christ is is solid, and it's getting more solid every day. It's not perfect by any stretch of anyone's imagination. Uh, no, nor is anyone's. By the yeah. way, that's not just a judgment on you, right. you know. Um, and, and now you're in this space. Uh, where you can um, leverage the church uh, to to be more of a presence in the lives of those with addiction. Mm-hmm. What has been the church's response overall, um, generally speaking, not just the ones that you try to influence, but just just by your own eyes mm-hmm. uh, and the experiences that you hear of? What has the church's response been to those with with addiction? Before I answer that question, because while you were talking about that, you reminded me of something I wanted to say, is that when I began a relationship with Christ, um, things changed for me for the better. Internally, I had a new heart. But some of the worst times and hardest times of my life came after that. Okay. So it wasn't just 
He wasn't. It wasn't sunshine and rainbows. No, it was not. And so yeah, I, I don't want to paint that picture. Because uh, sure. Jesus says, you know, you're going to have troubles. Yeah. And uh, and we don't want to whitewash that either. You know, because there was guys that I was discipling. You yeah. know, at the program that I really got close to over a year or two years, and um, two specifically that I was really close to. Yeah. And they relapsed once and died. Oh wow! And so you you have this time of, so here's the the praise is that I'm confident both of them were saved. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I know where they're at. Yeah, and so I thank God for that. But that was really hard time for me. Sure. Yeah, I, I remember. I, I remember. I, I ministered to a guy with addiction, um, and, and he was clean. He had been clean, um, you know, for a good year. Had been gotten back on the track. You know, was going to church. Had gotten saved. And then just had a heart attack because of yeah. all the drug use. Yeah. It wasn't even an overdose. Yeah. You know, and then you go through that question of how is that even fair? You right. know, and you question God's motives behind all these things. And, you know, and that's just a dark place to be in, to yeah. be honest with you. Yeah, it was one year. Uh, it was the year, my first year of marriage. Yeah. Where these two guys, um, one died in May, one died in July, Mm -hmm. and then my wife's grandpa died in August, and so it was like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And it was, uh, I hadn't really experienced death on a close relationship level like that before, so that was really hard. So did you have to, did you try to, did you try to do the addict move of covering it up and not, and ignoring it, not through drugs? But did you try to just to push it aside and, and not deal with it, or were you dealing Initially, with it? Initially, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because that was always what I had done. Yeah, and here, here's what I have found when I was uh, early in my Christian life, even as a pastor, and this is a scary thing to say, but <laughs> e- even as a, a pastor when I was, you know, in my 20s, um, I treated my Christianity like an addiction. Yeah. Okay, and what I mean by that is, is that I... I used it to cover up my pain instead of allowing Christ to deal with my pain. Mm. And, I, and I distinctly remember, it was right around when that, when, when that friend died, uh, that Jesus called me out on it Wow! Uh, and, and, and said, no, it's time to deal with this, not to, you know, not to treat me like an addiction, right? Mm. Uh, and that was very convicting for that's, me. That's good, though, because Jesus wants to heal it. He doesn't want to cover it up. Exactly. He wants to heal it. Exactly. And that's when I, that's when I started really dealing with it, not just with um, you know, the, the pain of my friend passing, mm-hmm. but all the pain I had pushed aside yeah. over the years. You know? Yeah, so anyways. But, um, yeah, back on track. Yeah, uh, that rabbit trail is now over. We have fed the rabbit, and the rabbit is now full. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's go back to what you see. Uh, as uh, uh, the church's response in, in today's world? Well, so I think, um, unfortunately, the story has been uh, that the world has gotten out in front and mm-hmm. they've tried to deal with addiction uh-huh. before the church. And so the church is trying to catch up now. Yeah. And unfortunately, all these worldly ideas that are do not line up with Scripture are you know, kind of coming into the church. Okay, like, give me an example. Like, um, addiction is a disease. Okay, right. Or um, it's a medical issue that needs to be dealt with. Or mm-hmm. something. Or uh, I think two of the, the biggest lies that I hear when I talk to people uh, in the church about mentoring guys is 
and it's from the enemy, is I'm not equipped to yeah. help a guy in addiction. Yeah. Or uh, I haven't been through addiction, so I can't relate, and I can't help him. So you tell him that sin is an addiction, and then <laughs> that's just is it's it's sin. Yeah, it's idolatry. Right. And there's not a person on this world who hasn't dealt with that. Exactly so, right. Yeah. Um, that it always blows their mind when I say, you know, yeah. <laughs> you are addicted to some things, just right. not the dangerous. Th- well. Even the dangerous things, but not that we perceive. They all lead to death. Yeah, they all lead to death. Some quicker than others. Yeah. But, um, so the church has the answer to addiction, and it's the gospel. Yeah. You know, it's it's this relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. And the victory found in what Jesus has already done for us. And and so, unfortunately, the, the church is not handling it that way. Yeah. Uh, they're they're trying to go through the steps that the medical community has put out instead of the steps that the gospel has put out. Yeah, and so the church will uh, feel unequipped. Yeah, and so they'll refer them to a medical facility. Now, sometimes there is medical needs that need to be taken care of, or uh, or, or whatever. So it, it, there's a partnership, but. What I think, uh, what I believe, is that addiction is a spiritual issue. Yeah. And that's what needs to be addressed first, mm-hmm. then the physical. So, yeah, but, I mean, not to defend the church, right? Because I have my own thoughts. I, I, yeah, I'm not talking bad about the church. No, no, I get it. But I just want to educate yeah. and say, here's, you know, we got the answer here. Let's let's go help these But people. sometimes, the, the, the point I'm making is that sometimes the, uh, the medical community is all that the church has... But, you know, they should be walking alongside of that person in that process, wouldn't you think? Because if I'm not, if my church isn't equipped to help detox somebody, right, um, and we don't have a trinity near us, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. uh, then we, you know, is it okay to get them into a medical rehab facility uh, that deals with addiction um, and then just walk alongside of them? Yes. Yes. Uh, they need to detox, and yeah. it, that's a medical thing because it's the body. Right, exactly. Uh, but so we're not forsaking the medical. No, community. no, no, no. There's there's definitely good purpose there. God created um, all of that. Yeah, and purpose, I just want to so. make that clear because yes. if I'm listening to this and like saying, "Oh, well, I need to do this on my own," please, no, 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 yes. no. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yep. if there is a uh, thank you for clarifying. Yeah, that. if there's a you need the medical community. You know, to handle the physical side of this uh, while you deal with the spiritual side because the medical community uh, may have Christians on it, right? And, mm-hmm. I, and I'm sure they do, and I know they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the church is equipped to handle the spiritual things. Absolutely. And that's what we're talking about is that yeah. we can't forsake the gospel um, for, the, uh, for the medical side of things only. That's not the only answer to it. That's exactly right. And so... Just to say again, addiction is a spiritual issue. Yeah. And that has to be addressed. Yes. Uh, it's not a... Um, it becomes a physical thing once the body becomes addicted to the substance or whatever. But, right. But the, the issue, the root issue... The foundational underlining issues. Yeah. Yes. Right. Spiritual. Yeah, because rehab by itself, without any spiritual or any other kind of health, if it's just the physical rehab part of it... Uh, is only a band-aid solution. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you're not dealing with the root cause. That's right. Right. And that's why you have to go to the, go to the root cause of it and really start picking apart those things. Yes. Right. And walking alongside of, of the, with the addict. The biggest thing that the church can do is just discipleship. Yeah. And, um, coming alongside them, like you said, yeah. and doing life together yeah. with the person because they have to learn a new way. Uh, first, they need to be born again. You know, that that has to it's yeah. start there. Right. They need a new heart. Otherwise, yeah. they're going to continue to turn back to um, drugs or yeah. or some type of idolatry. It does have to go before that, though. And I'm, 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 I agree with you. On their end, mm-hmm. it starts with them accepting Christ, mm-hmm. right? Uh, on our end, on the church's end, um, it starts with love and loving these people because here's what here's the problem I've seen and and and, and tell me if I'm just biased here and I'm yeah. only talking from one one side of this because the perspective I've seen as a pastor um, in numerous churches that I've been a part of is that there's a simple um, snobbery <laughs> uh, from the church's perspective when they look at somebody mm-hmm. with an addiction mm-hmm. you know. Um, they don't want their kids to be around it, um, and so they don't they don't want to deal with it, and so they they kind of like shun uh, the addict, yeah, and, and they and they don't welcome them as much as they welcome anybody else, yeah. And you know, I I wouldn't say that that's even intentional that they're doing it on purpose. I think they're probably just uncomfortable because they aren't um, used to being around somebody like that maybe that's covered in tattoos or yeah. whatever that right. you know has a different look or that's yeah. different so that requires them to be uncomfortable how do you to, change to that perspective somebody? how do you get somebody from a, a to to live in the uncomfortableness of a person a person's lifestyle do you know man i, I it's got to be a choice that they make i don't know i mean yeah if you're following Jesus, you'll be doing that. I believe that. Yeah. Because uh, you look at Scripture and where was Jesus and who was he spending his time with? Yeah. You choose love, man. I mean, yeah. that, that's it, right? That's you, it. You, you choose to love them despite themselves. Yeah. Right? So you have to be more concerned about their eternity than you being uncomfortable for a few minutes. Uh, I, well said. Right? Yeah. You have, to, you, have to, you have to focus more on what is this person's eternity right now and how can I help them? That's exactly. Yeah, right. I yeah. think you're right on. I think you're right on. And it's, 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 it's really simple. Yeah. Well, I'm speaking from experience on that too because I'm not the most outgoing person, and uh, so for me to talk to new people, yeah, it requires me to get out of my comfort zone. Right. And become. I'm just. I'm not a talker, really. I, I really have to force conversation, <laughs> and uh, so. I don't get you people. I can relate. <laughs> I can relate to some of that. Yeah. But, but the thing is, is like I said, if you're following Jesus, if you hear his voice, um, he's probably telling you to go talk to that person. Or, yes. Or to love that person or to serve that person somehow to begin a relationship. Because and, and he, all, he loves that individual and he wants you to be that vessel. And, and sometimes all it takes, and I've said this to so many introverts, sometimes all it takes is to say, hey, yeah. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. And invite them to sit next to you. Yeah. That's that that's that is literally all you have to do yep. to make somebody feel loved mm-hmm. and that the, that this church 
is different. Yeah. Because I can't tell you how many times I've talked to addicts and, and, and you know people who are in the, the darkest of places, and you ask them, have you ever gone to church before? And they say, yeah, and I wasn't even acknowledged, yeah. or I was asked to leave, right. or you know everything but simply saying, hey, I'm glad you're here. That's right. You know? Um, and, and, and that's, that's really has to be the starting point. And, and this is one of the reasons why I love, uh, you know, my current church right now is, is we saw this in action, uh, about a month ago, you know, a guy came in and, and, and the church chose to love this guy. Oh man, that's great. He, and he got baptized, wow. you know, yeah. you know, uh, and, and he got, he got saved and, and, and so many people are, you know, hooking on to this guy and giving him the relationships that he that he desires to have. Now the difference is he's an extrovert, right? He 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 uh we knew exactly why he came the minute yeah. he walked in the door. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh you know, uh and that's not going to be the case all the time. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times too uh, you can't blame the church completely and you can't blame the the addict or the individual that's walking in uh because if I was in addiction and I was walking into a church yeah. and I was nervous already about all that, so I'm coming in there with all kinds of insecurities myself. Yep. yep. And then you have people in the congregation who have their own insecurities. And right. So you, you bring those together and there's a tension and the the individual, the stranger walking into the church feels like he's being judged or shunned or something like that. And this person is thinking, oh, they're different, and I don't know how to talk to them. Or and I'm inadequate. Yeah, yeah, I'm in, you know, so you bring all that, and the enemy is just loving that. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, so. it, 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 the funny thing is, I, I, I'm sure you've said this before, you know, uh, if you simply just asked, <laughs> you know, uh, or if it was made clear uh, what people were thinking, there wouldn't be these issues, because they're really just issues of perception. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things that I have heard time and time and time and time and time again is that when I walk into a church, I, I feel as if these people feel they're better than me. Mm-hmm. No one thinks that. Yeah. You know, uh, some might. Okay. And, and I, and of course I get that. But for the most part, the church is made up of people who are struggling and trying to figure this whole thing out just yeah. like they are. And if yeah. people just started acknowledging that, and being more transparent about that, yeah. I think we would fi- we would fix these issues a lot more. Yeah. You know, because when that guy came in a month ago and, and exposed his issue just right then and there, people chose to love on him, right? Uh, and that's what usually happens. Yeah. You know, and so on the addict's part, it, it takes that transparency to talk about it. Mm-hmm. On the church's part, it takes their transparency to talk about their issues. Yeah. You know, and coming together and, and, and trying to trying to walk this journey together. Yeah, absolutely. It, there is no quick fix to an addiction. Yeah. Uh, it takes time. Yeah. And so the discipleship is so important to me. Relationship. Yeah. I mean, that's what we see in Scripture. Um, yeah. You know, Jesus took three years to to spend time with his disciples. Right. And, uh, and so I think that's a good model of just spending time with them, doing life with them, and show... Cause the reason we like the mentorship so much at Trinity is that it shows when a mentor comes in, picks a guy up, takes him home, and has dinner with him. Yeah. That individual gets to see how the mentor um, 
talks to his wife, how he treats his wife, how he loves his wife and kids. And as a Christian, this is how I live. Yeah. And if he hasn't seen that before, then he has no idea what it, you know. So he's the mentor is modeling and showing him all of that. And, uh, you know, what's it like to pray with your family? What's it like to do a Bible study with your family? And yeah. he gets to see all that. Yeah. And now he has a, a clear picture of this is what it is. This is how I am to be with my family as I follow Jesus. So it's so big. Oh, you know, completely. If you've grown up and you've been in an addiction for a number of years, then your lifestyle is so much different <laughs> than that of a follower of Christ. Yeah, it, it's, 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 uh, it's funny. When I was in uh, Minnesota, uh, a pastor mentor of mine took my wife out uh, to talk to her uh, just about how, I, how she perceived I was doing at the time. Um, and, uh, and I remember him telling her, because she told me afterwards, he says, you have to show some grace because he doesn't know what it's like mm, mm-hmm. to be a good family man. Yeah. You know, because he hasn't had that modeled for him. Yeah. You know, um, he, he can only know what he's responsible for. Yeah. And, and, you know, so that's, that's exactly right. I mean, I, you know, a lot of these things that I'm dealing with as a Christian parent, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, how to handle? That's why no, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing either. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, I, I, you know, I, that's why I, I I love talking to other parents who've had who've gone through this, other Christian parents that I respect yeah. and love, and say, how did you do this? Because I I need to know these things, you know. Especially yeah. as my kids get into the teenage years, I have two, I have six kids, right? So yeah. having the two oldest going into their one's a teenager already, one's next month will be a teenager. You know, how do I start dealing with all of this? You know, my, my next two are going into pre-teenage. It's like, oh my golly, yeah. you know. Um, so anyway, so just trying to figure all that stuff out is hard for people who don't have that model their entire life. Absolutely. So yeah. last couple of minutes, um, let's talk about Trinity, mm-hmm. all right? Um, what What is Trinity's model uh, for recovery? Okay, so um, it's discipleship. That's the model. But uh, it's a year-long residential program, so a guy moves in and he lives there for an entire year. Uh, guys only, right? Guys only. Yep. Right now. We'd love to get to the place where we have a women's place too, but right now it's just men. Yeah. Um, and that year is split up into three phases. The first phase we call the relationship process because the focus during that time is relationship with Christ mm-hmm. and relationship with people. Yeah. And uh, that's 13 weeks long. Mm-hmm. There's no work during that time. It's just studying, class time. Um, you mean employment work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no employment. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, there's volunteering and yeah. um, there's community service that we're a part of and getting your eyes off yourself and onto other people. Right. Um, but yeah, we spend about four hours a day in class mm-hmm. and uh, studying scripture and see what God has to say about life and who he is and who we are to be and... We go through, we read a book called The Heart of Addiction by Mark Shaw, and uh, it's a biblical perspective to addiction. Mm-hmm. It really helps to educate us um, to renew our minds, yeah. because if you've been in addiction while, uh, long enough, you've been through rehabs, and they've told you one thing, and Scripture's saying something different, so it, it helps to, to reconcile some of that. Yeah. Uh, the second phase is called the transformation process, and... Uh, it's 14 weeks long. Guys, uh, 
do class in the morning for a couple hours, and then after lunch, they go and work. They're part of our job training program, and they work for four hours, so it's kind of part-time okay. um, deal. And the the purpose, there's a couple of reasons why we do that, is we're trying to smooth out transitions Yeah. as they go back into the world. Um, so we're trying to build them a resume of success because they probably don't have a, a great-looking resume, and they have felonies probably. Right, yeah. Uh, so they, uh, with certain businesses that we are partnered with, they uh, go and work there, and hopefully they're getting training, some skills like uh, welding or something like that. Right, yeah. And And when they're done with that time, now they have work history, 14 weeks of work history, um, some positive references from the place that they were working at, positive references from Trinity. And so mm-hmm. they can take that when they go to get full-time employment, say, yeah, I have a felony and yeah, I have a history, but here's what I've accomplished in this time. Yeah. And so they're a lot more likely to, to get a good job. So we're trying to help them. Which is 90% them. of the uh, of, of the issue of surviving, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. ha- ha- having an opportunity to pay the bills. Yeah. So once they finish that, um, also the the businesses, they don't pay the men directly. They pay Trinity. Okay. So the men, that helps to offset some of the costs because Trinity is a free program. Right. We don't charge the men to go through our program. Yeah. So they work during that time to help pay for a small fraction of their costs Yeah. while they're there. So once they finish phase two, they move into phase three, which is called the multiplication process. And that's when they get full-time employment of their own, a first shift job. And uh, the idea is we call it multiplication because we're trying to make disciples that make disciples. Yeah. So we're trying to train them and equip them to make disciples. We yeah. Want, we, when they graduate, we want them to be able to feel comfortable um, finding a guy and discipling him. That's and cool. showing him what it is. So, I love that, man. So uh, they they still have classes in the evening time, but they're also responsible for leading their own discipleship group within the house. Okay. So we partner them up with a couple of guys from phase two, yeah. a couple of guys from phase one, uh, and they pour into them and help them through that process. Oh, and I love it. them and do Bible study with them and pray with them and uh, do life together. So that's they, so cool, man. They raise them up. Yeah. And uh, so that's 25 weeks. So phase three is six months. So okay. hopefully after that time, we've helped them uh, with a budget and saving up money and some other life skills like time management and those type of things. Okay. So hopefully graduation comes, they're ready to go. And, and do you do you follow up after graduation? Yes. Okay. We try to stay connected as much as possible with our guys. Okay. We invite them back to uh, to be a part of Trinity in any way. Uh, we we have a group called D2L. It's called Death to Life D2L. Okay. And that's kind of our alumni group, and they right. meet twice a month. Yeah. Uh, in Lafayette, and so they still get together and just try to stay community because we're trying to create a community of discipleship. So we try to keep them plugged in to where they are given opportunities to continue discipling people. That's awesome and multiplying. Oh, I love it, man! And that I mean, what a great program that is. If somebody wanted to, um, you know, uh, to ask some more questions mm-hmm. or 
talk about possibly getting placed in that program. Yeah. Um, how do they contact you? Well, there's a number of ways, but um, if if you want to, if you're a guy who's struggling and you want to get in the program, you can go online, fill out an application. And the website is uh, TrinityLifeMinistry.com. Okay, TrinityLifeMinistry.com. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, or you can call. and they'll be able to send you an application or whatever. Uh, If you have questions, you can call that number. You can ask for me or anybody there. They'll be able to help you. But we want more people involved. So whether you are interested in maybe mentoring or uh, uh, volunteering somehow or just being a part of the ministry and what God's doing there, then call us. Yes. Yeah. We welcome any help that we can get because what God is doing there is pretty awesome. There and is a, a group of churches in Brownsburg, I believe, that are just starting yes. uh, their partnership yes. with you guys. Cornerstone yes. is one of them. Yeah. Uh, and we are we are excited. I, I, I am there now weekly. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I'm enjoying my time getting together with the guys. Uh, that's been fun. Yeah. Um, and, and preaching there, uh, which I think, uh, by the time we air this, it'll pass. But as of this recording, I'm preaching there next Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. Yep. We love having you there, and the guys do too. So. Oh, they're great guys, man. They're but, great um, guys. You know, the harvest field is, there's so many guys out there. Yes. And women out there struggling yes. with addiction. And this might sound weird to some people, but... I can thank God for what I've gone through. Um, the addiction, I, I hate the people that I hurt, mm-hmm. you know, uh, along the way. But I'm thankful because addiction brought me to the place where I realized how much I needed God. Yeah. And if I didn't have that, if it, if if my idol was money or yeah. if my idol was work or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever, Yeah. Uh, working out maybe, I don't think I would have ever come to that place to realize how much I needed God. Well, I think Jonah would be uh, thankful for the whale. Yeah. Uh, uh, Joseph yeah. would be thankful for the prison. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, Moses would be thankful for the exile. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I think that we always look at those things, you yeah. know, later on and say, okay, that was my defining moment. That's where God took me and made me into something I never thought I could be, Yeah. you know? And so, yes, I wouldn't want that again, but I'm thankful that I had it. There's a, an epidemic, at least, yeah. a pandemic yeah. of addiction. Yes. And so there's so many people out there who are getting very close to that place yeah realizing how much they need god yeah and we as the church can can swoop in and say jesus is the answer yeah you know here's the gospel yeah and uh, so i think um that's what i get excited about thinking about all the people that are ready to receive the gospel yeah and to enter into eternity with jesus christ i mean they're hungry for it man yeah so, uh, well, Brandon, thank you for being on the podcast today. It really means a lot to me, and I and I hope it has impacted our listeners. Um, again, uh, you know, if you're interested in uh, what Trinity is doing, uh, you can go to their website, TrinityLifeMinistry.com. TrinityLifeMinistry.com. Uh, um, and we would uh, always invite you uh, to join us at Cornerstone Christian Church each and every Sunday at 9 and 10.30. Uh, you can find us on the, on the interwebs 
uh, cornerstonerock.org, or uh, you can find us on Facebook at CCC Brownsburg. Uh, any, any questions, comments can be directed to me, Larry at cornerstonerock.org. Uh, And if you find us on iTunes, if you find the podcast on iTunes, uh, would you please uh, share us with a friend, uh, subscribe and review us on iTunes because that just helps us to to get there when people are searching for uh, a podcast like this. So uh, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, We are so grateful that you listened uh, today. Uh, We will see you next time on the Coffee and Conversation Podcast.